What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? Okay, so before we get started, um, we actually have a lot to talk about today with Nick's mock draft. But um, first, I want to talk about this fundraiser we're doing. We're, we were going to do a giveaway, but we decided um, it was more right for us to do a fundraiser. So we started GoFundMe um, for coronavirus relief. Um, we're donating to the CDC Foundation, which basically helps supply really everything, research, supplies, food, anything you can really think of, they really cover. Um, so if you want to donate, that'd be great. You can find uh, the link to it in our bio on Instagram. I'm wondering if there's a way I could put it on Spotify. Probably not. Well, I could put it in the description, maybe. Um, so if you want to donate, you can. If you can't, that's totally fine. Um, but I guess we'll just go right into football. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. I was, I was trying to say something about the CDC Foundation, and I totally forgot what I was going to say. Maybe you'll remember. So, but, uh, you know, not much different from uh, what Brian said. So, the NFL. Uh, two points to make for the NFL today. Uh, one being the mock draft, which I'll get into in a minute. Uh, but first, we have some other NFL news. Uh, so, the second uh, NFL player to test positive uh, came about was a day or two ago, and it's also a, a big name in the world of football. That is uh, Broncos linebacker Von Miller, pass rusher, uh, one of the best players in the NFL. Um, I haven't really, I feel like he fell off the past couple of years, but uh, I digress. That's that's kind of relevant to the situation. So uh, you know, he, he had been feeling small symptoms. He got tested and he tested positive. He was also working out with a couple of Broncos teammates, uh, Brandon McManus, um, I know was one of them. Um, not a good sign for the NFL uh, because, obviously, it's it's almost testing the NFL camps on a mini scale. Mm. You know, he's working out with a couple teammates, and now his teammates might have it. You know, It's definitely one of the major concerns for the NFL, and it was kind of like a test on a mini scale. So in that sense, it's probably – it might be a good thing. Um to see, you know, how would the NFL handle it on, on such a small scale like that. Uh, but obviously not a good thing that players are getting it. And it's uh, it, it, I think it goes to show that any sort of pushment, pushing towards, I guess my sister's screaming, even though I told her I was doing the podcast. <laughs> um, um, so, you know, going towards any sort of type of camps right now may not be a good idea with how widespread the virus is. Um, I hope Von Miller gets better. Uh, best of luck to him. He said he was feeling fine. He, you know, he's a very, very high chance of recovering. Um, I'll get to some some more stats and updates on the coronavirus towards the end of the podcast. However, we have one of my favorite parts of, of football. Uh, the draft is coming up this week. Um, the first day is going to be April 23rd, so that's four days from now as we're recording this. Uh, so I did my one and only mock draft, and I just want to go through it, um, what I think is going to happen. What, First of all, you know, I want to say what I think of mock drafts. I think mock drafts are relatively useless. I don't find much use in, in mocking out. Like I don't know why people love to do it, especially like the commentators on, on, on the news media. People love to read them. You know, all these 5,500 ways players can get drafted. I just don't see a point in doing that until they – I think it's a lot more useful and a lot more worth my time and your time as fans – uh, to go and see who the, who your team drafted, and, and then go and judge who they drafted. Uh, you know, did they get good value at that slot? Does it fill team roles uh, slash needs, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So that's that's what I think about mock drafts. However, in my mock drafts, um, this mock draft that I did, I want to emphasize that um, one of the biggest things that I emphasize when I pick a player at a slot 
is is, is the need for and the availability. Uh, the need being, if a team needs a quarterback, they'll probably, probably pick pick a quarterback at that slot. Um, however, there are teams like I would say the Packers. They have drafted nothing but defense on the defensive side for the past couple of years. This is just a random example. Even though that you know they they already had drafted defense, they continue to draft defense with the theory of, you know, even though we already have talent on one side of the ball, if we really stack that one side of the ball, uh, it it could work out well for our team. And also availability, availability meaning how many players are a round one talent, uh, you know, at that specific position. So those are the things that I, I really try to keep in mind. Um, and I also try to take it into consideration if a team had recently traded away a player, such as one team that comes off the top of my head is going to be the Vikings. They just traded away Stefan Diggs. You know, that, that two wide, that two really good Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs wide receiver role is something that the Vikings have sort of come accustomed to. And I could definitely see them trying to fill that slot through the draft, especially after the draft with the draft capital they did get from the Bills from that trade. Um, so, you know, those are some of the things that I like to outline. And, it, you know, and availability is, is kind of me. Um, some of the film that I've watched and just some personal biases I have about players. Um, so that, that's kind of my overview, overall view of doing a mock draft and, and how I do my mock drafts. Uh, so going into it, uh, Jerome Roll, please. With the first pick in the 2020 NFL draft, I believe at pick number one, the Cincinnati Bengals will select, big shocker here, Joe Burrow. Uh, from quarterback from OSU, uh, Ohio State, rather. Uh, not really a big surprise there. I think he's by far the biggest talent in this draft. Um, next to maybe Chase Young. Uh, I think what he showed on the field uh, this past year was incredible. Obviously, he won the national championship. Uh, his ability to, to pick apart defenses and, and throw beautiful deep balls. and He's, he's got he's got the entire package in terms of a quarterback. Um and I think that Cincinnati will be happy with the selection down the road. Uh, my one concern is that we only have had one year of Joe Burrow being this great. In his in his past couple of years, he was you know average quarterback in college football at best. He took a giant leap forward this year, which is really good, and I think he definitely deserves to be number one pick. However, you know one thing that could be a concern for him is how much do we have on him? You know, it's again, it's it's only been only one year of this level of talent. If he had shown him here maybe two or three years, I'd definitely say it's solidified. Uh, ultimately, I'm questioning, was it a fluke? I personally do not believe it is a fluke. I think his, what he showed this year shows that, you know, even though it only was one year, he made a great leap forward in the offseason. He's going to continue that into the NFL. However, I, I could definitely see some people saying, you know, with, with only one year on tape, uh, how is he going to pan out over his career in the NFL? Um, and I don't believe Brian has any comments or concerns on that. So me and Brian have a little system. He's going to let me know. I'll let him cut in when he does have any comments, questions, concerns. So that is pick number one for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, pick two, we're going to have the Washington Redskins, by the way, in this mock draft. Obviously, no trades. I think also mocking out trades is, is a stupid and impossible thing. I will mention if I'd see a team might, might trade back, but at the same time, I just, you know, I'm going to predict it in, absolutely in the dark because nobody besides maybe like Mel Kuyper and, and some of the really big insiders have any idea of who's going to trade where or who's going to pick where. So trying to guess that to me is just frivolous. Uh, so going into pick number two in the NFL 2020 draft, uh, the Washington Redskins select Chase Young. Um, I said Joe Burrow's from Ohio State because that's where he transferred from. That's I mean, he's from LSU, Louisiana State. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after I just pulled up Chase Young, I'm like, wow. But uh, Chase Young, he's from Ohio State. There we go. Uh, defensive end, uh, really great talent. 
uh, one of the best defensive ends we've seen in a while. Um, you know, I think the last time we had a defensive end, maybe this talented. I've been Nick Bosa. Um, he was one. Miles Garrett was a big one. You know, we're talking that level of talent here, and both of those guys turned out pretty well in the NFL. Miles Garrett obviously had a suspension this year, but both of them are pretty big talents in the NFL. Uh, Nick Bosa only had one year, obviously, but he was really good in his rookie year. Uh, I think he won Defensive Rookie of the Year, so I think that Chase Young will have a similar route there. Uh, he's really he's tall, he's strong, he's fast. Uh, you know, I think he still has the room to grow. I'm watching him on film, I don't think his technique is all there. You know, he, he's very limited in his technique, but his athletic ability and his ability to, to bend the edge around tackles is really incredible. And I think he's be a great pick for the Redskins there. Uh, really, no surprises there. Um, so that uh, wraps up my second overall pick. Uh, Brian also does not have comments. So, uh, pick number three uh, is going to be the Detroit Lions. So, with pick number three in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions are going to select Jeffrey Okuda, um, Ohio State cornerback. Uh, I think he's an incredible cornerback. He's one of the best cornerbacks we've seen in the draft in a while. I'm maybe Jalen Ramsey type esque talent. Uh, I think he's better than Jalen Ramsey, honestly. I think, number one, he's shown to have a cooler head than Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey likes to fly off the edge sometimes in terms of personality. But I think Jeffrey Okuda is, is he's he really has no holes in his game. He's great in coverage one-on-one. He can play the zone well. Um, you know, he's, he's been really good in run support through his time at, at, at Ohio State. I just think he, he has all the tools necessary to be a great corner in the NFL. And I hope the Lions can do a lot with him. Uh, after the Lions trade away Darius Slade, they did sign Desmond Trufant, I believe. Um, it's, it's been a couple of months now since they made that. It's been a month or so since they've done that. But I'm pretty sure they signed Desmond Trufant, who's pretty good value. Uh, you know, replacement for Darius Slade, but he's still not really what Darius Slade was. Darius Slade, in my opinion, is one of the top five corners in the NFL. Um, so I think Jeffrey Kuda will definitely fill that role uh, in terms of them, them trading him away. And, you know, the question is, would they go Isaiah Simmons here? And ultimately, I'm going to say no. And that is because the Lions had just signed Dante Hightower from the Patriots, who, if you guys don't know, the Lions coach, uh, being Matt Patricia, was was the defensive coordinator for the Patriots. So he has a really good bond with Dante Hightower. And I think Dante Hightower, his, his athletic ability is only part of his game. I think his, his football IQ is really what carries him, and his ability to lead the defense is what makes him a really good player. So I think they're going to stick with him to lead their defense, and I think they're going to try and fill another role there and go with Jeffrey Kuda. Um, so that, that's how I came to that conclusion on that pick. Um, so that's that's the third pick. Uh, moving on, we have pick number four. Uh, it's going to be the New York Giants. And with pick number four in the 2020 NFL draft, the New York Giants will select Isaiah Simmons. Uh, this is a I hope. I think Isaiah Simmons would be great for the Giants. The Giants' defense was absolutely atrocious last year. Um, you know, Zero, zero ability in coverage. The pass rush was minimal. There was not one good part of the Giants' defense last year. And I think Isaiah Simmons, he, he's going to fill a lot of roles for the Giants because, you know, I think everybody knows at this point, he's the type of guy that could do it all. Um, very, He's incredibly fast. He could play, you know, nickel corners and the slot corners. He could play, he could drop back, play safety. He could play middle linebacker. He could play outside linebacker. He could rush the passer. He, he's so versatile. And I think that, um, you know, with Joe Judge, he came out in the press conferences as well as, uh, Dave Gettleman, the GM, pointing out that they really want a versatile guy, somebody that could do a lot for the Giants. And I think Isaiah Simmons definitely fits that bill. Um, at the same time, the Giants could go tackle here because the Giants do need to protect Daniel Jones, who's going into his second year. 
I'm hoping they don't. Um, if they do go tackle, I'm hoping the Giants trade back. Uh, one of the mock trades that I've seen going into this is that the Jaguars are going to look up to pick somebody, uh, pick somebody big up, and they'll trade pick nine in, in exchange for Giants four, as well as the Giants will get Yannick Ngakwe, who I think is a really good uh, pass rusher, who has been widely known to be unhappy with the Jaguars franchise. So I, I do think Ngakwe may get traded so the Jaguars can go up in the draft. Um, I'll see that pans out, but I'm hoping that 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 can happen. Obviously, it wouldn't just be a straight trade like that. I'm sure the Giants would have to give up like a third or a second round pick on top of that first rounder or top of the fourth pick. Um, but if the Giants say it for, I'm really hoping they pick up Isaiah Simmons. I think he's a really ta- good talent. I think that he could definitely be a gold jacket guy at the end of his career. So I'm hoping they go with him. Uh, so moving on to pick number five, we're going to have the Miami Dolphins. And with pick number five in the NFL 20, 2020 NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins are going to select Tua Tagovailoa. Loa. Um, so Tua, right? Uh, he had his you know great quarterback for Alabama. Um, he had that huge hip injury at the end of his career at Alabama. Um, I think it was in November, December, and he's still recovering. You know, physicians really haven't been able to get a look good look at him because of the coronavirus going on. So the question is, really, I don't think you know. In terms of, I think Joe Burrow's ahead of Tua and, J- and Justin Herbert. But the question comes down, I think Tua is a lot more talented than Herbert. But the question, again, the question comes down to his, how healthy is Tua? Um, you know, they're not sure about the hip injury. He had some, some wrist injuries that showed up on physicals, so not really sure. Uh, personally, I think Tua is, is a really good talent, and I think these injuries are not going to affect him in the long run. Because I think it's he may not be... 100% maybe in his first year in the NFL because of his hip injury. Very possible. But I think he's going to get past it. Uh, Tua's a fighter. Uh, Tua's really disciplined. You know, I think Tua has really proven himself in college football. He he, he took over for Jalen Hurts in the national championship, what was it, two, three years ago, down big, and he came back and won it. You know, he, he came back as a backup quarterback on the biggest stage in college football, and he won, and he won the game. Um, and he's been great for Alabama since then, and I just think he, he has all the, the tools that you need. He has a great arm. He's a great ability to read the uh, read the defense, uh, really fast on his feet. He's really got all the tools to be a great quarterback in the NFL. And you know, I think his comparisons to Drew Brees are definitely uh, I think they're definitely warranted. Uh, I have faith in Tua that he'll be a great quarterback, and I think the Dolphins are going to recognize that. Um, secondary to that, I've also seen in some interviews that Dolphins GM and coaches have been taking interviews. And I think that kind of slipped up here. People are saying it's it's an indication they're going to select Herbert, but I say it's more Tua. Um, so what they said in the interview is that they're waiting on you know physicals and and all, get to get quote unquote get all the details before they make the decision on who they're going to pick at, at number five. And people are like, oh well, if they're waiting on like medical history, then it's obviously they're probably going to go with Herbert because they're scared of Tua. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of think the opposite when they say that. I'm kind of thinking, you know, they're trying to see is Tua that bad. If he's not that bad, they're going to go with him. I think that's really what they're saying there, in my opinion. But it's definitely not set in stone. It's up to debate. Uh, but I think the Dolphin, Dolphins are going to go with two at that slot. Um, so if Brian has no questions, I'll keep going. Um, so at pick number six, uh, it's going to be the San Diego uh, – it's not the San Diego Chargers anymore. It's the L.A. Chargers now. <laughs> wow. It's been – when they moved like two, three years ago, I'm still <laughs> saying that. Uh, so the L.A. Chargers are going to be a pick six, and with the sixth pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Chargers are going to go with uh, who I just mentioned, Justin Herbert, a uh, really good quarterback out of Oregon. I think he's really talented. Again, I could go through all these stats, but I think at the end of the day, college stats are kind of irrelevant. Uh, Dwayne Haskins put up 50 touchdowns in, in his last year at Ohio State, and he played, what, 
two, three games in, for the Redskins. He obviously was not NFL ready. So I think some, somebody's talent and what they show on film is a lot more important than college stats. So, you know, I'm not too big on college stats. I'm more about what I see on film. Um, so Justin Herbert, really good quarterback. I, I do question what his ceiling is. I don't think it's anywhere close to as high as Joe Burrow or, or Tua. Um, but I think he's a really good quarterback out of Oregon. He's tall, uh, can really drive the ball uh, well, picks part defenses. Uh, Tua, uh, Justin Herbert, and Joe are really in their own class in terms of quarterbacks for this draft. Uh, behind them, you have like uh, Jordan Love, but I still don't think he's anywhere close to them. And the Chargers, obviously, they're going to need a quarterback. Um, you know, along with the Dolphins, even though the Dolphins did trade for, um, why, why am I blanking on his name right now? They, they trade for the Cards, Josh Rosen, and yeah. they still haven't. They still haven't really, in my opinion, gave him a chance. It does seem like the Dolphins are going to move on, and Chargers obviously. Uh, releasing Philip Rivers, they need a quarterback. I don't think they're really going to stick with Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback who is technically in their first slot right now if they don't draft a quarterback. Um, it just makes sense if they're at pick number six and Justin Herbert's there, I think they're going to go with him. It just makes the most sense there for me. Um, so that's that pick. Uh, so pick seven, we have the Carolina Panthers. And with the seventh pick in the 2020 NFL draft, I'm predicting that the Panthers will probably go Derek Brown. Um, and Derek Brown, uh, he's a D-tackle, nose tackle out of Auburn. Uh, probably the best interior defensive lineman in this draft, in my opinion. And I think the Panthers really need him. Uh, I think that their 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 defense was very subpar in the past couple of years. Um, I think, and especially last year, their defense was, was not very good. Uh, we were looking at their defense. And by the way, I did, I did a lot of research. So basically, the Panthers had the 31th-ranked defense to keep it, keep it uh, short and sweet. Um, last year, so not a very good defense. Um, I, I believe, you know, when I did the research for these picks, it was it was last night, and I'd be going through them. Um, I believe the Panthers had the worst, one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL. That's how I mostly pick this. Like, what aspect of their defense is bad? If I'm, if I'm going defense, what aspect of their team is bad? And I'm pretty sure their 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 run run defense was pretty terrible, as well as their pass defense was not great either. So I think they're going to go with the best available talent right there and, and go for Derek Brown. Um, makes a lot of sense to me. Again, really talented guy. I think it's a good pick for them. Um, so moving on from there, we're going to go to pick number eight, who the Arizona Cardinals have. Um, this one's a pretty easy one, in my opinion. The Arizona Cardinals, with the eighth pick in the 2020 NFL draft, will go with Jedrick Wills, uh, tackle from Alabama. Um, you know, I, I think he's really talented. Ta- I think he's the best tackle in the draft. And I think with how bad the Cardinals' offensive line has been over the past two years and with Kyle Murray with his first year under his belt, it just makes the most sense to go and try and protect Kyler Murray, um, number one. Number two, their, their offensive line, again, has been very bad. So getting a tackle for him is going to be really important. And why not go with the best tackle in the draft, in my opinion? Uh, so that's why Jedrick Wills is going to head to the Cardinals. Um, so moving on to pick number nine. We're going to have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so the Jacksonville Jaguars with the ninth pick in the 2020 NFL draft, in my opinion, will go with Neville Gallimore. Uh, Neville Gallimore, uh, tackle interior defensive line from Oklahoma. Um, really good player there. Uh, people have him a little bit lower on the draft board, but actually have him a, a lot higher. Um, when you're playing interior defensive line, and I take this a lot from my experience, you get double teamed a ton. And Neville Gallimore, uh, in terms of stats-wise, he had the most pressures in college football last year. Uh, you know, when you're playing interior defensive line, rather from interior defensive line, you have the most pressures. Um, and I think that's really big. I believe he got pressure on 13% of the snaps that he played, which is really big. 
I think he's going to be a really good talent. I think he has a high ceiling. And that's not necessarily who the Jaguars might go there because they probably would have somebody else higher in terms of alignment on their draft board. But I just think DeVille Gilmore is really good. Uh, Gallimore, rather, is really good. And I think he should go that high. Um, and the reason I picked him in terms of the Jaguars because the Jaguars, again, had a pretty terrible defense. Their, their rush defense was really bad last year. And they definitely need to fill a slot in terms of their defensive line. They just uh, they just let Clyde Campbell go, obviously. Um, so, who oh, I think did he come back? Um, no, they they just let Clyde Campbell go. Am I right, Brian? <laughs> uh, don't know. Why am I? Why I'm blanking on so much today? It's bad. Um, yeah, he plays for the Ravens now. Yeah, they let Clyde Campbell go, so they definitely need to, to fill somebody big in the middle there, or DNs, whoever they want to play, Neville. But I think he's gonna be the best slot for them there. Um, so moving on from pick number nine, we have pick number 10 is going to be the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so the Cleveland Browns with the 10th pick in the 2020 NFL draft, I believe we'll go with Tristan Wurst. Uh Tristan Wurst, he is going to be a tackle out of Iowa. I forget if he's Iowa or Iowa State. Um, he's Iowa. Yeah, the University of Iowa. Um, so I think he's the second best tackle in this draft. Uh, watching his film, very solid. Um, really sound play, uh, pretty pretty decent run defense, uh, run defense, uh, run run blocking rather, uh, pretty good in, in his past pros too. Uh, obviously, the Browns' offensive line, in my opinion, was one of the biggest downfalls to their team last year. I believe you know obviously when you look at the Browns' roster, their defense is, is stacked across the board. They just need to get the right coach in there, as I've been saying for the past couple months. Um, and on the offensive side, again, I think the, in terms of talent wise. The only holes in the Browns team is really their offensive line. And I think what's the, that's what they need to gel this team together. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you look at their, their weapons on offense, you have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Um, I forgot who their third receiver was at this point. But uh, in terms of tight end, they just signed Austin Hooper, uh, yeah, uh, David Nagoku. Um, I always mess up his name. But you have Baker Mayfield running back. They have Kareem Hunt and they have Nick Chubb. So much talent. If you can really gel it together with a good offensive line, in my opinion, that's the best offensive football if you get the right coach in there. And the Browns' offensive line was pretty atrocious last year, so it just makes a ton of sense for them to go after a tackle here and try to protect Baker Mayfield. Um, So Tristan Wurst at the 10 slot. Uh, So moving to pick 11. Uh, This is is Brian's pick right here. Uh, So pick 11 uh, will be the New York Jets. uh, And with the New York Jets, with the 11th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, I believe we'll go with Jerry Judy. Um, Jerry Judy. So by Jerry Judy, I think he's the best wide receiver in this draft. I think his route running is incredible. Uh, he's he's tall. I believe he's six one. Um, very tall. His I, I remember watching him in the film. His route running is, is absolutely incredible. The best route running I've seen in a while in, in the draft. He's got the height. He's got the ability to go up and get the ball to, like a, like a Julio Jones. But he's got the route running of like maybe like an Antonio Brown. Um, I, I believe he's a generational type of wide receiver. I think he's going to be that type of player in the NFL. Um, so I think that's that's why he goes so high. And for the Jets, I think the Jets' offense struggled last year. Um, number one, I think it's so. Th- I think the Jets have a couple options here, right? Um, you know, I don't think there's any slot on the Jets team right now that's really set besides maybe quarterback or running back. They could use help on the offensive line. They could use help at tight end. They could use help on defense. But I think with the departing of uh, uh, Anderson, Robbie Anderson, I think that they're going to try and fill that slot at wide receiver. As well as I think Jerry Judy is going to be the best bang for your buck at that slot right there. He's going to be the best available talent at that pick. So to me, that just makes a ton of sense for him to go after Jerry Judy. Um, 
and uh, Brian has a comment, so Brian, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've always thought it's wide receiver for the Jets in the first round this year, and it was either between Judy and C.D. Lamb, obviously the two top wide receivers. Um, so for me, either of those I'd be really happy with. I think they're – in the past years, it seems like the Jets have really focused on, like, um, what is it called? Like, non-skill players? What is that like when you're a wide... Like, there's, like, a, a word... Lineman. Yeah, lineman, but there's, like, a word for, like, wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks. I don't know. Whatever. But they've really focused on linemen, and um, obviously none of them have really panned out. But um, they need to focus on giving Sam Darnold as much help as he can... Because, like I've said before, this is the year that I think it really – it's going to prove, at least to me and I think a lot of people, if Sam Darnold's the real deal that everyone's been talking about for all these years and he just hasn't had the weapons around him to do anything or if ju- if he's just not that talented. Um, and I still have a lot of hope in him, and I think them putting pieces around Sam Darnold is important. And Robbie Anderson, I think, was a really good player for the Jets – but I think he had a, a lot of other distractions around him. He had some off-the-field issues. Um, and I just think if they can put Sam Darnold, give him wide receivers that are actually be good for him, I think it would be great. And I think um, this could be the year if they put the wide receivers around him, like I've said multiple times, that he could actually do something. Okay, 100%. Um, so with that being said, uh, we'll move to pick number 12. Uh, so pick 12 is going to go to the Las Vegas Raiders. I got that one right. Um, and they just moved this year. Uh, so the Las Vegas Raiders with the 12th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, I believe they will go with Henry Ruggs III, uh, wide receiver out of, I believe he's Alabama too. Am I bugging? I, I, I've literally looked at all these guys last night just to go re-go through everything, and now I'm blanking out. Um, yeah, he played for Alabama, um, I think. Yes, yes, play for Alabama. Why am I blanking? Okay. Um, you know, he's one of the fastest wide... I think he is... is he, I believe he's the fastest wide receiver in this draft. Um, you know, the combination between um, his speed and his hands is incredible. I have him at the number two slot at wide receiver um, for this draft. Uh, and why do the Raiders... Raiders really need help all around. They're not really bad in one specific area. Um, obviously, I think they're not... You know, they have quarterback kind of locked in. They, between Mariota and Derek Carr, they're going to run it there. Josh Jacobs is set, and I think I think going Henry Ruggs here is again sort of like the Jets move. They could really use help all around, and with the Raiders, not um, obviously they lost Antonio Brown this past season due to off the field drama. Uh, they lost Amari Cooper. It seems like they're trying to fill that slot, and I think Henry Ruggs is going to be the best talent at that at that slot right there uh, for them to go ahead and pick. Um, I think Henry Ruggs again. He's like maybe like a Tyree Kill type of player going down going into the future. I think he's really good. Um, let's see, it pans out, but I, I think he's going to be a good pick for the Raiders. Um, so moving on from there, we have pick 13, the 49ers, who were just in the Super Bowl. Uh, so with the San Francisco 49ers with the 13th pick in the 2020 NFL draft, I believe they're going to go with Javon Kinlaw. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is from South Carolina. Uh, I think he has, he's really raw. Uh, he really came out this last year and really proved that he could, uh, he could really play. Uh, you know, he always been an average player at South Carolina. Then he apparently, you know, going through his backstory yesterday, on on going through it, he had a child, um, going into I believe his junior senior year, whatever it was, and it really brought him some sort of peace and the fact that okay, it's time to grind. 
things are serious now. I have somebody relying on me. Um, so he put in a lot of work, and he got a lot better. However, I do have a couple concerns with him. Number one, he's really raw. Um, doesn't, his skill set's not there yet. But I think he's got the talent and the length to do everything he needs to do in the NFL. To be a great pass rusher, run stuffer, uh, really versatile player. Uh, number one, he's really raw. Number two, I still have questions about his character issues. Um, I was watching an interview of him was two days ago, and he just he did not seem like he wanted to be at that interview. Hmm. I believe that one of the one of the things that really stuck out to me was um, interview had asked him, you know, what part of your story do you think is like most inspirational? And his response was, "I already told my story. I'm not going to get into it." Jeez. That was like his his immediate reaction, which which is which is a little off putting to me. Um, you know, he's got to know that when you're in the NFL, people are going to, even if you said something once, people are going to want to hear it over and over again. And not, you know, not necessarily do I think that character, something like that's going to make him a bad player. No, but an attitude like that makes me question, you know, if he does get to the NFL and he gets this big check, is he going to want to continue to improve and get better? Or is he going to be satisfied with that? And, mm-hmm. and think, you know, I, I got picked top 10, you know, top 15 in the NFL draft. Um, I'm all this, I'm all that. And he's not going to put in the work from there on out. You know, I don't know that, but you know, I do have concerns about that. I, I really can't say because I don't know him well enough. Um, but Brian does have a comment, yeah, so go ahead, Brian. Um, it's really just about the attitude, and that's something that I always high, I always hold in high standards. And it's something we talked about with the Browns. They had a bunch of attitudes on their team, and it didn't really mold well. And they're hoping with the right coach they could do that. And that's really goes for anyone. If they, if you have the right coach that can fix these types of attitudes in players, then. Uh, a player like Andrew Thomas could be a steal. Um, but if your coach doesn't have that attitude where he could combat um, a bad attitude and make it good, it could turn out really bad. And um, just one player that I'm thinking of, um, Muhammad Wilkerson was a really good player for the Jets, but his attitude when he, like going into his second, third year, got really bad and it ended up ruining his career with the Jets, and I don't think he's had that great of a career ever since his real, really his first year. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify, he did say Andrew Thomas there, but he. That's, oh yeah, why well, am I? I was yeah, looking. He, at he had to say Javon Kinlaw, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, mindset is everything in, in terms of having growth, um, whether in football, whether in life. So yeah. Um, so moving on from there, uh, pick fourteen is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think. Ryan gave it away a little bit there, but with the 14th pick <laughs> in the 2020 NFL draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will select uh, Andrew Thomas tackle from uh, Georgia. I think he's again third third best tackle in in this draft. Um, and the, and reasoning that they go Buccaneers go ta- uh, tackle here for me is number one they had the best passing offense in in the league last year with Jameis Winston at quarterback. I think their defense is going to greatly improve. They really don't have to touch it too much because they were running the mill defense last year. But that's with Jameis Winston's 30 interceptions, which puts the defense on the field a lot, which is automatically going to make them worse just just by numbers-wise. So I think, number one, obviously the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just signed Tom Brady, and I think if they're going to get the most use out of him, they've got to protect him and give him time to throw in the pocket. Uh, Go back to the Patriots last year. Even though how great Tom Brady was, he had no time in the pocket last year. They didn't have the, the proper wide receivers, and they couldn't really get the the uh, you know the most out of Tom Brady last year. The Patriots, because of their offensive line and wide receiver problems, I think the Buccaneers got the wide receivers between Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, OJ Howard. But I think it's going to come down to a question of how well they can protect Brady, and Andrew Thomas is going to help solve that problem right there. So it just makes a lot of sense for me, to, for, me for them to go to Andrew Thomas. Um, that's his pick, attitude. 
What happened? How's Andrew Thomas's attitude? I think it's pretty good. <laughs> I, have, I have not heard any concerns about those so far. Um, so moving on from there, we have pick 15. It's going to be the Denver Broncos. And at pick 15, I, I think that the Denver Broncos will go with uh, CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver. Um, so why CeeDee Lamb? Um, I'm blanking on his college again. I know he goes to Oklahoma, but I can't. I can't get the words out of my. I can't get that, that process through my head. He goes to Oklahoma. Uh, <laughs> why am I blanking on a college? I know the college. I'm still blanking he goes on to it. Oklahoma. I don't know why. He went to Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, to me, third best wide receiver in this draft. I think the Broncos could use a lot of help everywhere. Um, with the departure of you know players like Emmanuel Sanders and and they have they're really lacking wide receiver talent. They had a pretty good rushing offense last year. Um, they're going to try out Drew Luck at quarterback, and I think giving him a weapon is going to help him succeed. Uh, their offensive line was not terrible last year; it was pretty decent. So I think going with the best available player, and their and their defense was pretty good last year too. Uh, so one of the I think the, one of their one of their biggest needs is going to be wide receiver, and I also think he's one of the best bang for the buck players at this this at pick six, uh, fifteen rather. So I think CD Lamb is going to be pretty good for the Broncos. Uh, really talented wide receiver again. Um, has has a nice diverse skill set. Pretty good route runner. Uh, good hands. Uh, I'm excited to see what CeeDee Lamb is going to bring to the NFL. Uh, so moving on from there, we have pick 16, who's going to be the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, so the Atlanta Falcons pick 16, I believe, are going to go with C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. A um, couple things, Falcons, obviously, in terms of need. Um, their, their number one need coming out of last year was their rushing offense. They were, I think they were either second, I think they were second to last in rushing in the NFL last year. So I was thinking maybe running back there, but again, they just did sign Tom Gurley. They still have Tevin Coleman, and I believe they just released Devonta Freeman. Um, uh, they don't have Tevin Coleman, that's the 49ers, rather. Um, but yeah, they, they have Todd Gurley there, so I doubt they're going to go running back after signing Todd Gurley. Um, so I'd imagine they're going to address their next biggest need, which is probably going to be their their uh, passing defense. And I think that C.J. Henderson is, is number one, my second cornerback off, off the board. Um, in terms of in terms of his event, I think he's the second best quarterback, cornerback in this draft. Um, I like corners. I like players from Florida. I think players from Florida, uh, University of Florida. I think they have a lot of grit, and I think grit's not great at every position, but I think cornerback grit can be really good. Um, you know, for instance, players like Jalen Ramsey have a lot of grit. I think um, you have you know sometimes it's not great. You have people like Josh Norman who was great for about a year, and then he absolutely fell off the face of the earth. Um, but yeah, Richard Sherman was a lot of grit, I think, and he's been pretty good over his career. Um, I think corner is one of those positions where grit's really good. Um, where I think as, you know, position that's not really good, I'd probably say maybe like quarterback. I don't think being rough and tough around the edges around with a quarterback necessarily works all the time. Quarterbacks that are polished, that can really lead the team and keep a cool head throughout the game, I think have been more successful in the history of the NFL, uh, versus maybe like cornerback. So. I like the pick for the Fal- uh, the Falcons there. I think he'll be a good player. Um, so that's pick number sixteen. Uh, so with number pick number seventeen, we're going to have the Dallas Cowboys and Dallas Cowboys in the seventeenth pick in the twenty twenty NFL draft. I believe we're going to go Clavon uh, Chasen. Uh, so Clavon Chasen, if you guys don't know, he is an edge rusher um, from LSU. Um, I think he's probably. The second best edge rusher behind Chase Young after looking at his film. Um, and so that, that's why you know, I think he's a lot of bang for the buck right there at pick 17, number one. Number two, when you look at the Cowboys' needs, um, wide receiver, they just signed Amari Cooper to that gigantic contract, and I don't think they're going to want to touch wide receiver right now. Running backs obviously fold, uh, failed. Offensive line's good. Quarterback's good. Tight end, you know, they're 
they're, they're lurking on tight end um, with uh, Jason Witten now going to the Raiders, which is kind of interesting. I thought he would retire, but um, yeah, tight end, I think they could find a diamond in the rough there. Uh, I don't think tight, end, tight ends in this draft are really great to begin with. I don't think it's a move they're going to go. I think they have a bigger need on defense now. Um, so in terms of who they lost on defense, they lost Robert Quinn. And they lost Byron Jones. John, Byron Jones, great cornerback for them over the past couple of years. Um, I think one of the top corners in the NFL, in my opinion. And they also lost Robert Quinn, who the combination between Robert Quinn and Dexter Lawrence has been really good for the for the, the Cowboys over the past couple of years. Um, <coughs> specifically last year, I thought he was really good, um, yeah, that combo. And I think they, they're going to have to come down to the fact, do they want a corner here or do they want a, a pass rusher? And I think... Uh, in terms of the corners, I think there's, you know, I don't think there's as much talent at corner in terms of what, what's left at pass rusher at, at this specific pick at this point. So I think the Cowboys uh, go, going with a pass rusher here because he's the best available pay, a player that fills their role is going to be the move here. So come on, Chasen, uh, really good out of LSU. He should be good for the Cowboys. Um, so moving on, we have pick 18, who's going to go back to the Miami Dolphins. Um, Miami Dolphins, I believe, with the 18th pick are going to go with Kenneth Murray, linebacker out of Oklahoma. Um, obviously, the Dolphins need help everywhere. And I think Kenneth Murray is, in my opinion, the second best linebacker in this draft behind um, Isaiah Simmons. Um, so I, I think he's going to be really big for the Dolphins. I'm, again, Dolphins need help everywhere. Um, I think Kenneth Murray, he again, a lot of bang for the buck there at pick 18. Um, I think he has a really high ceiling. We'll see how he does, but I, I think the Dolphins are, are going to be happy with that pick, and it's going to help fill a good role. Uh, you know, I think if you need help everywhere, especially on your defense, I think the first first player you should go with is most likely a, a linebacker, middle linebacker. Um, I think when you look at defenses that, that have struggled over the past couple of years and then got better pretty quickly, I think it's because of their their role filled with the middle linebacker, and essentially, middle linebacker is the quarterback of the defense at the end of the day. Um, you look at guys over the years like Mike Singletary, Luke Heakley, uh, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, or Patrick Willis rather, um, Ray Lewis. When you think of all these great defenses, the first person you think of is, oh, well, they had a great middle linebacker. Um, so I think the Dolphins going with a middle linebacker here is, I think it's a really good slot, a really good choice, as well as it fills a really big uh, need for them. So I think it's, it's a win-win right there. Um, so going on, we're going to have the Raiders at pick 19. And I believe the Las Vegas Raiders at, with the 19th pick in the 2020 NFL draft are going to go with Grant Delpit, uh, safety from LSU. I believe he's the best safety in this draft. Uh, the Raiders, they need help, again, pretty much everywhere. But I think they're going to go with the best bang for the buck here. They don't really have anybody. I believe either strong safety or free safety. The Raiders currently don't have anybody in their first slot in the depth chart. So it would make the most sense to get, I believe, the best player available at that slot. It also fills a good. It also helps them build their defense. It also fills a slot that they're actually missing. So it's just you know it makes a lot of sense to me. They're going to go with uh, uh, Grant Delpit here. Um, I think he's really talented. He, by my, I think he's the best safety in this draft by a good margin. So I think he'll be good for the Raiders. I think this draft overall is pretty deep. Uh, there's a lot of deep talent here. Um, so it, it should be a good draft, uh, whoever your team gets in this first round. A lot of good talent. Um, you know, I feel like it's like every year that there's there's a good amount of depth, but then teams pick these random players that have never, like, um, I forget I remember his name. It was the third pick, I believe, last year. It was Clinton Farrell. The Raiders went with Clinton Farrell, and I don't think he even played, like, he didn't play that much in the NFL last year. So it was, it was a weird pick, and I graded, like, a C-plus in my grades last year. 
Um, unless your team does something like that, I think if you pick from any of these players that I'm mentioning, you're going to have a, a decent shot at getting a good player. Uh, so moving on from there, pick 20, we're going to have the Jacksonville Jaguars. And with the 20th pick in the NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars will pick Patrick Queen, who is a, another linebacker um, from LSU, I believe, Patrick Queen. Um, yeah, I keep blanking out on names. I don't know why. Colleges, I don't know why. Um, I should have wrote the colleges so I didn't forget. But um, Patrick, yeah, I didn't write them down. <laughs> uh, Patrick Queen, a really talented linebacker at LSU. You know, LSU obviously had a lot of talented players. Uh, coming out from winning the national championship, but I think he's the third best linebacker in this draft. Um, the Jaguars could really use some help at, at linebacker, I believe. They haven't had a good linebacker talent since like Paul Puzlesny. Um And, you know, I think the strength of the Jaguars is going to be their defense. Obviously, they, they've definitely fallen off after trading Jalen Ramsey and losing Calais Campbell. And again, that was the strength of their defense when they went to the playoffs, was it two years ago? So I think they're going to really try and, and mimic that. Um, going forward, and I think he's going to be a really good talent for them at pick 20. And uh, so that's why I have Jaguars getting Patrick Queen at pick number 20. Um, so pick 21, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we, we're going to have with the 21st pick in the NFL draft, uh, 2020 NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles will select Justin Jefferson, wide receiver out of LSU. Um, Justin Jefferson, uh, number one. Uh, Eagles actually need a wide receiver here. The Eagles will not go anybody else but a wide receiver here. Is the absolute? I think they have the biggest glaring need out of any team in the NFL. <coughs> I think they have the biggest. Yeah, my voice is kind of shot. Um, the biggest glaring need out of any team in the NFL is going to be the Eagles at wide receiver. Uh, it was pretty much what held their team back from from being a good playoff team last year. Mm. Um, between Nelson Aguilar's drops and Ashland Jeffries' injuries and inconsistencies. Uh, so they need a wide receiver desperately, and I think Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver on the board at this point. I think he's pretty good. He's definitely not anywhere close, in my opinion, to that CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy group, but he's going to be really good for the Eagles. I think he's going to be a solid wide receiver. Um, definitely has a lot of room to grow. Um, we'll see how he goes, but I think the Eagles are absolutely going to go wide receiver here, uh, no doubt about it. We'll see where they go there. Uh, so moving on from there. We're going to have pick 22. The Minnesota Vikings are going to go with uh, Denzel Mims. Uh, Denzel Mims also blanking out on his college, and there I don't know why. He, there. Uh, there we go. Thank you. Brian's going to help me out here, so yeah. I can keep stop forgetting the colleges. Because <laughs> uh, I watch all their, their films, and I can picture the color yeah. of the jerseys, but sometimes I can't picture the college. Um, uh, Denzel Mims, really good wide receiver out of Baylor. Uh, again, when I mentioned at the beginning of the mock draft where I think teams are going to try, like the Vikings are going to try and replace somebody like Stefan Diggs and that familiarity that they had, I think Denzel Mims is going to do that for them. He's going to be the best wide receiver at that point in the draft. Um, he's going to help fill that slot that Stefan Diggs left. Uh, it makes sense that they, they do um, go ahead and pick up a wide receiver to play Stefan Diggs, especially with all the draft capital they got for him, uh, which makes a lot of sense there for me. I think Denzel Mims is a pretty good wide receiver. Uh, we'll see how he does in the NFL. Uh, moving on, we're going to have pick 23. Um, it's going to be the New England Patriots, and New England Patriots with pick 23 in the NFL draft, I believe, are going to go with uh, Mekie Becton. He's going to be a tackle from uh, Louisville. A lot of people have him really high in the draft. Um, I personally don't. I you know I think it's been proven time and time again um, that just because alignment is big doesn't necessarily mean they're talented. You know I think he doesn't have the same talent that you know this top set of, of tackles I already mentioned have. I do think he's pretty good, but again, just because he's big doesn't mean he, he any he's, he's his physical aspects are there doesn't mean he's going to be a good talent in the NFL. So I think he's pretty good. 
I think it'll be a good pick for the for the Patriots. Is anybody that can make somebody out of nothing, it'd be definitely be the Patriots. And and Beckton, you know, don't get me wrong, it's not nothing. Um, but I think the Patriots are going to go with with the tackle here. Um, other options they could go, you know, what were their big their big uh, fills that they needed? Um, they could have went uh, wide receiver here, but I think that how much talent stuff the wide receiver really starts to fall off at this point. So I don't think it's a great pick for them. Um, they could have went with a quarterback here, which I think Jordan Love being left, you know, I think Jordan Love will most likely go in the first round. I just don't know where. You know, he's one of those project guys that could be Patrick Mahomes, or he could be a bust. Um, it really comes down to to who coaches him and, and how he's able to progress. Um, I do think he's going to go in the first round, but uh, spoiler alert here, I don't have him being picked in the first round because I just don't know where to put him. I, I just think that he, you know, somebody like the Patriots who have had such a, a phenomenal quarterback for years after years after years. Are they going to start wasting first round draft picks on guys that could be their next guy, hmm. or are they going to go? Are they going to wait until they get to the right position? You know, obviously there's no trades. The Patriots, for all we know, could trade up and go get a, a quarterback really high. Um, you know, we, we really don't know what, where the Patriots are going to do. But at the end of the day, are they really going to waste a first round pick on a guy that could be their guy, could not be? Or are they going to wait till they think, okay, we absolutely have this guy, we want him, he's going to be our successor to Tom Brady. You know, I, I think that team should go that route, but who knows if they maybe they really like something they see in Jordan Love and they might go Jordan Love there. I can't tell you, but I'm thinking either they're either going to go wide receiver or quarterback right there, or tackle or quarterback. The Patriots at that slot, in my opinion, I think tackle with the amount with with Becton being there at, at 23. I think he'd be a really good pick for them. Um, I think he's probably the best talent at that slot for what they need. Uh, moving on from there, we're at pick 24. We have the New Orleans Saints, <clears throat> and with the 24th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. New Orleans Saints, I believe, will, will pick Xavier McKinney, uh, safety from Alabama. Um, I think he's pretty close to Grant Delpit, but he's not quite there. Um, you know, the, the Saints, when you look at their offense last year, incredible, really good offense across the board. I don't think there's too many holes that you need to be fixed there. Um, I think on the defensive side, their, their their rush defense is pretty good, but their passing defense wasn't great. They have you know a good amount of corners in Marshawn Lattimore, and and they have Eli Apple, who's still a work in progress, but we'll see how he turns out. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think they have some pretty good talent there. I think their biggest need, I believe they have a hold of their depth chart at safety as well. It just makes a lot of sense for them to go get the best available talent. It also fills a need right there. Um, you know, Another option that I could see maybe the Saints going here could be somebody like Jordan Love, as I said. You know, you know, with, with Drew Brees most likely retiring after this year, they could see something in Jordan Love. But again, I don't see him being an automatic pick that t- every team needs. Uh, the Saints also, which you got to remember, they also have... Um, why am I blanking out on his name now? Taysom Hill. There we go. Who has been, you know, a utility guy for them, but he's also shown some talent at quarterback. And, you know, they could give they could give Taysom Hill a shot at quarterback after Drew Brees retires. And I don't know if they want to do that or not. You know, I'm not in their room. But to say that, you know, if I had the most the safest, most probable pick for the Saints right here, I'd probably go Xavier McKinney if he was available at that slot for them. Um, moving on from there, we have uh, pick 25. We're going to have the... Uh, Minnesota Vikings and the 25th pick um, in in the draft, we're going to have the the Minnesota Vikings go with Cesar Ruiz. He's an interior defense uh, offensive lineman, rather from Michigan. Um, I think he's really talented. He's the best interior offensive lineman in this draft. Um, Vikings, I think, again, I think they 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 need a couple holes filled, and they don't really have. I think again, when I was looking through their their roster, they don't have a, a first slot for guard right now. Um, they definitely could use a guard, and 
I think that Caesar Ruiz is, is a really good talent at that point in the draft. Pick number twenty five. I think you got lots, a lot of bang for the buck there. Um, he fills a, a hole. He continues to build their offense. Um, the thing is, when you protect Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins is having a good game, Kirk Cousins could be pretty incredible. But he can also be very bad. So if you can, if you continue to supply him with talent and you continue to, to build that offensive line, that it's pretty good for him, and you keep him protected, I think Kirk Cousins can be a good quarterback, and I think that offense can really um, succeed. So I think uh, Cesar Ruiz could be a really good pick for them there. Um, so moving on to pick 26, we're going to have the Miami Dolphins. Um, and with the Miami Dolphins, the 26th pick at the 2020 NFL Draft, I think they're going to go with DeAndre Swift here, running back out of Georgia. Um, you know, I think the running back class here is actually pretty good, but I don't think the, the need for a running back is necessarily there. Um, but I think the Dolphins could use a running back. Um, you know, they had the worst rush offense in the NFL last year, um, the least amount of rushing yards in the NFL. So I think getting a running back would be really helpful for them. After the loss of Kenyon Drake, they really don't have a running back right now. That's, that's really solidified for them. Um, I think DeAndre Swift, in my opinion, is probably the best running back out in this draft. So I think if they can pair DeAndre Swift with Tua, you know, it's a really nice one-two punch right there to, to get their franchise back rolling on. Um, again, I think a lot of bang for the buck. Uh, no running backs have been picked off the board at this point if, if DeAndre Swift does go exactly how my mock draft goes. So I think it's a really good talent for them. Um, I think it's really going to help their offense out. Um, that's pick 26. Uh, pick 27, we're going to have the Seattle Seahawks. And with the Seattle Seahawks with the 27th pick in the NFL draft, I think they're going to want Yeder Gross uh, Matos, uh, defensive end from Penn State. Uh, you know, I think he's a really good talent. I think in terms of the need for the Seahawks, um, you know, the, they kind of have need a little bit of everywhere. I don't think they're great at any single position besides quarterback, obviously. Um, I think they have a ton of running backs right now. I don't think they're, they're probably not going to go running back. Their offensive line was pretty solid. It wasn't, you know, they're pretty solid all around. Obviously, they were they were a good playoff team last year. <clears throat> um, but I think one of their biggest losses is going to be after trading for him to Davion Clowney. I don't believe he's going to go back to the Seahawks, which is interesting that he hasn't signed yet. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he signs within the next four days before the draft happens. So um, I'm sure the whatever team is looking at maybe a pass rusher, they'd like to have Judavion Clowney sign before they go and waste a pick on it in the draft. So um, my assumption is that Judavion Clowney is not going to return to the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are going to try and replace that with uh, Yuta Gross Matos. Um, you know, relatively raw talent coming from Penn State, but I think he, he, has, a, he has a high ceiling. Could be a really good player in the NFL. We'll have to see how he goes. Um, so moving on from there, we have pick 28. It's going to be the Baltimore Ravens and the 20 with the 20th pick in the NFL 2020, 20 NF, 2020 NFL draft. I <laughs> talked to us there at that. I've said it so many times. I think the Ravens are going to go with Cole, uh, Komet. Uh, he's going to be tight end, um, from Notre Dame, uh, first tight end to go off the board. Again, I think, I don't think the tight end class in this specific draft is that deep. Um, but I do think the, the Eagle, the Ravens rather, do have a need for um, a tight end here, uh, mostly because if you guys if you guys remember, they traded away Hayden Hurst to the Falcons. I'm not sure why they did that. I think again, as I explained to them when they did trade him, I think he's a really good talent. And I think the personality he brings to the locker room is really a big add to a team. And I think it's not the smartest move after, especially they went 14 and two last year to trade away a tight end like that. Um, but I think you know they might fly, try and fill that hole here with Cole Komet, a uh, uh, pretty decent tight end. Uh, nothing spectacular, you know. I don't think he's up to the levels of um, like a TJ uh, Hawkinson or I, 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 Noah Fant. I was trying to say Isaiah Fant and Noah Fant over like last year's draft. 
Um, but I do think that he, he will fill a nice hole for them. Um, I think it's, it's probably the best move for them there, in my opinion. Um, so moving on to pick 29, we have the Tennessee Titans. I believe the Tennessee Titans with the 29th pick in the NF, 2020 NFL draft is going to be AJ, uh, Ape- I always mess up his name, Epinesa, um, Iowa. Uh, he's going to be a edge rusher for Iowa. Um, I think he's a pretty talented edge rusher. Uh, I think he, he, he shows a lot of promise. I think the Titans, one of their biggest needs is going to be edge rush. Um, they could really use a solid pass rusher to help cap off their defense, which is pretty solid all around, but it's definitely missing somebody like a, a good pass rusher, I think would really help them. They also just dealt Jarrell Casey for a seventh round picks, so you know, to help fill that, that pass rush, uh, defensive line role would be really big for them. So I think AJ Epinesa is going to be good for them at that slot. Um, and my, you know, I know my my friend Max, who, who probably is going to watch this, um, I'm interested in what he has to say about. It. He, he's a huge Tennessee Titans fan. So I think he, I'm pretty sure he lives in uh, around Nashville. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'd like to see how what he thinks if the Titans went with uh, AJ Epinesa at 29. What he would think. Mm. Um, I'll have to go and ask him. Uh, well, so that's my pick at 29. I uh, pick 30. We have the uh, Tampa Tampa Bay Pack. What am I saying? Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Green Bay Packers at the uh, the 30th pick in the 2020 NFL draft, I believe we're going to go with Austin Jackson. Um, you know, I, in terms of the Packers, their defense was pretty run of the mill last year, but they've acquired so much talent on that, on that side of the ball. I just don't see them continuing to add to that. Even last year's draft, they went a little more offensive. Um, so I expect them to maybe go back to that offensive slot. And when I'm looking at their team, wide receiver, they're all right. They have Scantling, they have Devontae Adams, they have a good amount of talent right there. I don't think the wide receiver talent's that great right now. Um, in, in terms of, you know, at this point in the draft, I don't think it's going to be that great. Um, so I, I do think that they're probably going to go with the best, you know, this, there's a bunch of different options that can go here. Um, I don't think they need a running back with, um, why am I blanking on his name too? I don't know why. Screw me. Uh, when you do list these big, sometimes you get lost in in, um, in everything. Um, Aaron Jones. I don't know why I couldn't think of Aaron Jones. Um, so I think the the most likely pick for them is going to be help just continue to build that back up that offensive line that was was pretty good for the Packers during their Super Bowl years. And I think Austin Jackson's a pretty good talent out of the USC tackle. Obviously, um, I think he's going to fill a decent role for them. I think Austin Jackson is probably lower in a lot of people's draft boards, but I think he's pretty good. I think he's a, he's you know, a first-round talent, a late first-round talent, and I think he'll, he'll fill a nice slot for the Packers there. Um, so we'll see where he goes. But I think, you know, the Packers could go a bunch of different routes there, but I think a safe one would be tackle in Austin Jackson. Um, next pick is going to be pick 31. We're going to have the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and with the 31st pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the San Francisco 49ers will go Jeff Gladney. Uh, Jeff Gladney, um, is going to come from TCU. He's going to be a cornerback. Um, you know, he, he's one of the lower names, you know, he's, he's a cornerback a little bit higher on my, on my draft board. Um, in, ter- in terms of what I'm looking at the, the, the 49ers here, what do they need? Um, in terms of the offensive side of the ball, they already went and got a wide receiver earlier in, in, the, in this mock draft, right? Um, the running backs, the running back room, they have a ton of different running backs. They could go running back here possibly, but again, <clears throat> they already have a ton of running backs, so I don't see them really going back to running back here, even though they don't have one standout running back. They had, in my opinion, between them and the Titans, had the best rushing offenses in, in the league last year. So, you know, why change? What, you know, why fix what it already works? 
Um, they already addressed wide receiver. They have a great tight end. So I'm looking more defensive side of the ball. What do they need? Uh, their defensive line has been pretty good. They did just trade away their um, their their tackle. Um, I believe, yeah, they, they traded their ta- the defensive tackle Eric Armstead, I believe it was for the for the Colts for the 14th pick or the 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 13th pick rather. Um, so they need some defensive line help, maybe possibly. But I said they still have Nick Bosa. They still have a good amount of talent on that defensive line side of the ball. Um, in terms of their safeties, you know, they have pretty solid safeties. I, I think the safety talent isn't there. It is, isn't really there in the draft. So I think they're going to go safety or corner here. And I think the best available player from both of those groups is going to be Jeff Gladney. So that's why I went with Jeff Gladney here. Um, and then finally, with a 32nd pick in the 2020 NFL draft, I think this pick is probably a shoo-in. I, I think that the Chiefs, it's, it's going to be the, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Kansas City Chiefs at pick 32 in the, the last pick of the first round in the 2020 full draft are going to go Jonathan Taylor. Um, not necessarily that Jonathan Taylor is a lock, but I think they're going to go running back. That's an absolute lock here. Um, with, the, with the loss of Kareem Hunt and, you know, whether you think that was justified or not, it's a different story. But I think uh, they're going to go running back here. In my opinion, Jonathan Taylor, really good runner. I, I see Jonathan Taylor as, as a gold jacket type of running back, mm. in my opinion. Really good talent. I just think how the draft plays out, he might go later than he should. Um, we'll have to see. But he's my number two running back. I mean, him, uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, J.K. Dobbins, or, you know, uh, running back out of Ohio State, are like all neck and neck in terms of who goes where. So, you know, DeAndre Swift goes to, you know, I had DeAndre Swift at 26 to the Dolphins. If Jonathan Taylor goes there and and J.K. Dobbins goes at 32 to the Chiefs, I would not be surprised at all. I just think the Chiefs are a lock if we're running back at 32. Um, so that completes our draft. Uh, some of the names that I did not mention that I could think of off the top of my head that would people would expect maybe go in the first round would be somebody of the likes of J.K. Dobbins. Um, again, as I explained, it's it's not that big of a deal that I didn't pick him to go there. Uh, number two, which I explained earlier, would be somebody like Jordan Love. Uh, didn't have him going in the first round, but I don't doubt that he could. I'm just not sure... Um, in terms of, of where he's going to go, um, um, in ter- you know, in terms of uh, in terms of what team needs him, um, I didn't have, I believe, Chris. Did I have Christian Fulton on here? I don't think I did. Um, I, you know, even though he's a pretty good cornerback, I'm not that high on him. Did I have Christian Fulton? I can't I'm remember. Looking right now. No, I don't think you did. Yeah, I don't think I did. Um, he's definitely a person I could go. I could see going in the first round. Um, he's more a name I forgot about than than rather uh, than don't like him. Um, but you know, I, don't, I expect Christian Fulton maybe maybe go in place of Jeff Gladney. Definitely very possible. Um, I think they're pretty close neck and neck there. Um, you know, Trayvon Diggs. It was not in the first round, which I think Trayvon Diggs is more like a third round town out of Alabama. Um, I mean, that's all the names I could really think of. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, who's out of Arizona State, who's people are high on because he's very fast, really good special teams guy. I could see him possibly going in the first round, but I think he's more of a special teams guy um, than, than he is a overall wide receiver. Uh, K.J. Hamler, who's pretty good, didn't go in the first round for me. Um, no, again, I'm just going through the list of some players that I didn't have going in the first round. Um, oh, in terms of running back, you didn't have uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. I didn't have him there. Um, in terms of wide receiver, T. Higgins uh, from Clemson, I don't have in the first round. Um, you know, we'll have to see how the draft goes. I'm, I'm pretty excited for this draft. Again, I think it's really deep. I think there's, there's not really, you know, I think last year's draft, there was a big drop off of talent um, after the first round, um, second round. 
But I think this year's draft is really, really deep, so I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Um, Giants, please pick Isaiah Simmons or trade back and pick a tackle. Don't do anything else, I swear to God. Uh, <laughs> so that's my mock draft. Uh, Brian, do you have any final questions, comments, concerns? Uh, no, not really, but uh, I'll give you a little break now and go into some NBA stuff. That was 55 minutes of you straight talking, so... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, so for basketball stuff, uh, not a lot really went on. There's some story headlines that are pretty important. Um, Adam Silver, I think it was yesterday, was asked about what the future of basketball is. Obviously, with everything going on, I don't think I need to explain that again. But um, basically, he said he has like no plan, no, no plan A, no plan B, no plan C. Because everything is in such flux right now with the virus. We still don't really know exactly all the information that we need to know. He says that um, some of the bigger things that he said was that he has, they've been talking about every different way that they could get basketball going again. And really none of those ways are going to be possible soon. Um, He said that health officials come first before uh, having basketball start. He said that they're going to need to use a bunch of different supplies, like tests and things like that. But the health of the world at large is more important than getting basketball back, um, which obviously is very makes a lot of sense and was very honorable of him to say. It could have just been like one of those like he has to say it because he's like a big name and it's just for press and stuff. But um, not having basketball be the focus is uh, very good that he said that and makes a lot of sense. Um, next up is the G League pathway. Let me first explain what that is. Okay, first, Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd, who are two top recruits going, two top high school recruits that were supposed to go to college next year, have decided to go with the G League pathway. Um, who, they're the two first players to be in the G League pathway. Basically what that is, um, I did a reacts on this, but if you didn't watch it, so... The G League pathway is the NBA's way of getting around the one one and done situation that they put into effect a little while ago. A little while ago, which has obviously been under controversy, um, they've seen top players like Lamelo Ball go across seas to Australia to play in the NBL, and to kind of keep these players in the United States, there they created this G League pathway, which is basically. Um, all these top recruits that sign up for that pathway are going to be put onto one team, or if there's more than more than 12 players, maybe they'd make two teams, but I'm not really sure how that would work. Um, they'd be put on this one team, which would be filled up with top recruits and also veteran players and some select players that uh, want to get another chance at making it to the NBA, which I don't really know how that would work, but I can talk about that later. Um, and basically... They play against G League teams. It wouldn't count into the G League team schedules or standings or any of their records. It would just really be like a mentorship program for these players. Um, I th- there's also a big, uh, I guess you want to call it bonus, but I think they can get paid up to $500,000 um, a year, which is what Jalen Green signed on as. Um, I don't think Isaiah Todd's like contract details are really in place, but Jalen Green um, being the top recruit, was a huge, I if you want to say, addition to the NBA and made, it's probably going to lead to a lot of other players going down that route and it should be interesting how the future of college basketball is impacted by this because there's going to be a lot of big talent players um, not going through the college system. I'm sure if this was around when Zion um, went to Duke, he probably would have went through this path and would have, it would have made a lot 
of difference, him not being at Duke. Um, so it's really just like a mentorship program, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I wonder how they pick the veterans that they are going to, that um, are going to play. I wonder how they get the veterans to actually do that because there's no real incentive for them to do that, except that they want to be a coach maybe, and maybe the money that they can possibly make from being a veteran on that team. Um, now onto baseball. That's really it for basketball. Not a lot in baseball either, but um, I think it's Nippon or Nippon Professional Baseball League, which is the Japan um, Baseball League. Um, pushback, it's opener and won't take place in May. I think it's had its start in May ever since 2005, so this is the first time that it's being impacted. Um, so obviously it's because of the coronavirus, and they have no set date of when it's going to return. And I mean, that's very similar to what's going on with uh, MLB. There is no set date for return, um, which is still really annoying. But obviously, there's no reason for uh, sports to come back, like Adam Silver said, if the rest of the world's not taken care of. And that's just an, another, I guess, uh, specific case of what the whole world's dealing with. Uh, that's really it for baseball. I don't, is there any college stuff to really talk about? Uh, nope, no college stuff. <laughs> All right, so um, we'll go into our controversial topic, which is, again, the coronavirus, and yep. I guess Every Nick will take week. that away. <laughs> uh, the coronavirus. <laughs> you know, it's, it's starting to get old at this point, but... Uh... <laughs> You know, we got to cover it. That's all that is. That's all that's in the news at this point for the most part. Yeah. Um, other than, you know, tidbits of sports news and whatever. But uh, coronavirus, ultimately, uh, you know, only really good positive news, I have to say, so far. Um, obviously, we're seeing the rates decrease all across the country in terms of spread. Um, in New York, we went from 700 deaths like five days ago in one day, obviously, which is a lot, um, to about, I think it was like 500-something deaths uh, yesterday, so you know numbers numbers are decreasing. The number of people who are needed to put on ventilators is, is significantly decreasing, um, which is, is a really good thing. Um, in terms of you know, treatments, are showing a really good promise. Hydroxychloroquine is doing really good. Um, Remdesivir, uh, you know, all those sort of types of antiviral treatments that have been used for other types of of uh, of, of diseases are, are showing really good promise. Um, and you know, the randomized trial. Uh, you know, experiments and, you know, testing these drugs so they can be widely used throughout America is, is underway. Um, we should get results, you know, relatively soon, not, you know, not tomorrow, but, you know, relatively soon. Um, these things take time. If you want to do proper science, it takes time. Hmm. <clears throat> I'm choked on my, on my own, uh, <laughs> breath right there. <laughs> um, but in terms of, in terms of the mortality rate and in terms of like the coronavirus itself, um, better and better news um there was some data that came out i believe from new york city where they tested every single pregnant mother that came into the er for i guess whatever reason they were going in um they tested every single mother for the coronavirus uh so that data showed that about 85 percent of the mothers were tested negative for it where 13 percent tested positive but had no symptoms and there was two percent who had who tested positive and had symptoms okay. Uh, so meaning that, um, so, you know, if you're looking, you know, this data isn't a hundred percent, but if we're going to take a look at that, that those numbers and look at it as a raw ratio for every two people that have the coronavirus and have symptoms, there's 13 people that don't. Um, so we're looking in New York alone, right? We have 300,000 cases, a little bit over that. I think at this point, um, <clears throat> I can go and look that up as we speak. 
Um, so if you have that many people, let me see. What's what's the exact number that we have? We have two hundred and forty-two thousand confirmed cases in in uh, New York State. Okay. So if you look at the, at the data, there we're looking at about uh, thirteen and thirteen uh, one point three five million people that that have it and they don't know it. Um, ultimately, that's a good thing that they because number one, people aren't dying at the rates that um that that we originally thought. You remember I, way back when when I originally started this. Uh, the preliminary data and, you know, just going off of confirmed cases versus deaths, it looks like there's a three to 5% death, death rate, mortality rate of, of this disease. But when you consider how many people are, have the, have coronavirus and are not showing symptoms, it, the death rate's actually a lot lower. It's, mm. you know, it's a lot closer to maybe that 0.5% range, which is a little bit deadlier than the flu, but nothing crazy. Um, ultimately what makes this disease so bad is that it's contagion rate. Uh, the rate that it, it, you're able to spread it to others is, is really high um, as a result of it being so asymptomatic. Um, so that that's really the concern there. Uh, but, you know, the mortality of it's really not that bad. Um, when you look at the, the mortality of, of age breakdown, um, I believe that the last uh, reliable data that came out about it was that across the U.S., between the age group of 0 to 14 years of age, one, one person slash obviously child had died of the coronavirus. Out of the thirty, forty thousand, the forty thousand deaths that we've had in the U.S., um, so one out of forty thousand, really not that bad. And then when you look at the percentage of, you know, how many children died in that in that span versus how many died of the coronavirus, the percentages are even lower. So, and then when you look at the next age group, I think the next age group was like fourteen to twenty-four. I believe there was about fifteen deaths across the U.S. for, and that's me and Brian's age group. Um, so again, not that bad. Um, and as you keep going, I believe the next age group was, you know, roughly 14 to 40, whatever it was, was in the, was in the seven, eight hundreds, nearly a thousand deaths. And then when you get to 62 plus, you had, you know, you accounted for 25,000 deaths. I, again, I don't remember these exact numbers, but I'm just trying to explain the ratio is there. Um, it's very obvious that for whatever reason, this disease specifically attacks, uh, older, the older generation a lot worse. You know, there's. That's assumed with obviously the older older population, geriatric population, having more underlying conditions. You know the, the effects of aging; it makes them more susceptible to the disease. But I, I believe the numbers are showing that the, the coronavirus affects older people in terms of the, the tips of the scale a lot worse than maybe like the flu does. In terms of like we look at the flu, right? How does it affect younger versus older people? You know, I think the gap between how it affects them is is even is even bigger when we look at the coronavirus. So. Um, in terms of, you know, moving on to the next stage where we're going to go back to normal life, um, you know, these, these type of things are very important to know that you know, older people like our grandparents and, and people of older populations or people of specific underlying conditions that are our biggest at risk, which I believe are obesity and diabetes are the, t- the two biggest ones, uh, followed by respiratory issues. Um, you know, those type of the people are the people that need to stay home as we go back to normal living. And, you know, people, relatively healthy people like me, Brian, people our age are the ones that could go out and go back to living normal lives. However, when we do go back to normal, living normal lives, we should, you know, still try still social distance as much as possible and still follow what the CDC is telling us. Um, these things are very important as we go forward. Um, but, you know, overall, I think pretty good news. Um, you know, obviously not perfect. Any any death is, is too much, but, uh, you, know, the, you know, life can be morbid sometimes and it's just, you know, people die every day. And, you know, if this, we can make this similar to the flu, it, it, you know, in terms of how many deaths we have, uh, you know, in the future, it, it'd be a good thing, even though deaths, obviously death is never good. Um, 
But it is important to know that, you know, looking at the spread of this disease in the U.S., we're talking February, January, February to now mid-April, we've had 40,000 deats, which is a lot of deaths, um, comparison to an entire flu season, when an entire flu season, I believe, starts in, like, November and then ends in April. Hmm. And you have about, like, 50, 60, 70,000 deaths right there. Um, so, you know, the rate at which people are dying is a lot faster than the flu, and you can't ignore that. But I also think, you know, looking at the data, we also have to realize that, you know, I've, been, I've kind of taken this position from the start, is that it's bad, but it's not that bad, right? It's not the end of the world. Um, we will get through it. We're going to keep improving medical technology. If we continue to follow what the CDC is telling us and, um, and, do, and do, you know, keep, keeping social distance, things will get better. Um, it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, it's, it's not going to be great, you know, but that, I guess at the end of the day, that's life. And it sucks. It's, it's not great, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, one, one word of advice that I have for some people that I've, I've noticed around my neighborhood, obviously I haven't left my house in about 32 days, um, which is kind of upsetting. I really need to go outside sometime. Um, but, um, you know, in terms of wearing masks, uh, masks are relatively mostly effective in stopping you from spreading it to other people. Cause at the end of the day, unless somebody breathes directly at you into your eyes, or whatever, or sneezes, you know, it likely won't get infected. And not exposed, because exposed means it comes in, the, the virus comes into your body, but infected meaning it takes over your body and makes you ill. Um, you most likely will not get infected unless you, you get to your mucous membranes. So, the, number one, the masks are a lot more affected at, of, of you, you know, potentially being asymptomatic and spreading it to other people. Okay. So, I think it is important to wear, um, according to the guidelines of the CDC, in tight, close areas, like if you're going grocery shopping or you're anywhere, you know, near a tight, close area where with other people, um, it's important to wear it. But I see a lot of people wearing it, you know, um, you know, walking around the neighborhood. You know, it's unnecessary. Um, you don't need to wear it unless you're you're in tight, close quarters with other people. If you're outside, you really don't have to wear it. And I don't, I don't think you should. I don't think you should wear gloves either, especially when you're outside. But in, in, in a grocery store, it's, I don't know, it's up to you. If it makes you feel safe, for sure. Uh, we don't really have a shortage of PPE uh, as much um, right now. So, you know, if you want to start wearing gloves, it's fine. Um but I don't think it's really all that effective, especially if you're wearing a mask. What what does the gloves do if you can't reach your your nasal your nasal passages and, and your your mucous membranes anyway? If you if you have the face mask on, you can't reach those things. So there's no point in wearing the gloves to protect you from doing that. Um, but especially when you're going out for a walk with your family, whatever you're doing, I'd really recommend not wearing gloves um, and not wearing a mask. And that being that, you know, it's nice to have an escape. I think mental health is also really important here. You know, having that escape from, from, you know, I can go outside and go for a walk and, and not feel like the world's ending. I think that's really healthy for people and it's really potent for in our lives at this yeah. point. Um, so I think that those things are type, those type of things are really important. Um, you know, I, again, I think following the CDC guidelines and, and trying to do reasonable things to keep yourself safe are the most important things to do here. If you, like my stepfather, has gone absolutely nuts and, and tries to Lysol wipe everything that it every like he tells us to leave the mail outside for 72 hours and he tries to spray it down and it's just there's no scientific data supporting that yeah. so after you touch after you bring in the mail should you leave it outside for maybe a couple hours let you know if there's any droplets on there let it evaporate whatever it might be yeah you probably should and after you handle it should you go wash your hands yes you know those are some of the guidelines presented in the cdc however you know buying tons of lysol and doing these crazy things they're just going to drive you insane at the end of the day and they they you know that type of stress and and you know burden that you put on yourself can you know be as bad as a disease sometimes um so i think continuing doing what the re reasonable things and, and following the cdc is gonna be really important especially as we head back to uh normal lives um 
you know, I'm hoping we get back to normal as soon as possible. Um, we'll have to see how it pans out. Um, you know, we'll have to see. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping everyone's doing well. Um, Brian, do you have any questions, comments, concerns? No. All right. Well, that, uh, that about caps up my uh, caps off rather my COVID-19 update. <laughs> All right. Um, and that basically wraps up our podcast. Uh, any final things you want to say now? Um, uh, you know, not really. I just, uh, again, I hope you guys are happy and healthy. Um, hopefully you're all looking towards the NFL draft like I am. It's, it's really exciting. I love the NFL draft. It's such an exciting time for me. I just, I love seeing like that transition from players like rookies and, and seeing how teams can improve their rosters. You know, if I was ever part of the NFL, I'd love to be a GM. Also love to be a doctor, obviously, because I'm pre-med, but, um, it'll be type, it'll be some type of, some type of cool stuff. Um, been doing a lot of eBay shopping lately. A lot of eBay shopping. Um, I bought uh, the entire 2016-2018 National Championship Villanova team. I bought all their autographs on eBay for like 30 bucks, 40 bucks. That was fun. Um, they're all coming in the mail. I, just, I have Mikhail Bridges, uh, Daniel uh, Oshefu, and Omari Spellman so far. Picked up an Evan Ingram patch uh, jersey swatch card. Got my Saquon, but you know, I'm just, I, I enjoy the autographs. Um, they're kind of cool. I have an Austin Jackson and Neville Gallimore autograph. There's, there's some of my implicit bias as to why I think there's some at my top of my list. But also, because you know, having their autographs made me go watch more of their film. So there's some implicit bias there. But I still do think they are pretty talented. You know, it's impossible to, to guess the NFL draft. And I'm hoping your, your guys' teams uh, your guys teams draft well. Um, other than that, again, stay happy, stay healthy. I um, hope you guys and your families are doing well. Um, if you guys would like to donate, which I'd really appreciate it if you guys did, uh, go donate, donate to our GoFundMe. Um, I'd really appreciate that. We're going to go and try and help people through the CDC Foundation. Um, if you guys are if you're on the CDC Foundation, they're directly affiliated with the CDC. Um, Dr. Uh, Dr. Mike on YouTube is actually helping promote them, and he's donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to them. Um, so it's a good cause, I think. You know, essentially, we could donate to local facilities, like around me and Brian. Like we could have donated to local facilities, but I think the local facilities around us are relatively well equipped to handle what they need to. As of right now, I think there's a lot of places across the U.S. where, you know, more impoverished areas that have the lack of of healthcare facilities. Um, I think you know the, they could really use the extra money um, and the extra supplies. Those are the areas that need supplies. And giving it to a foundation like the CDC Foundation, which is, you know, it's a national foundation. It goes across the entire the country. Uh, they can really help uh, use that money to go help places in need across the country. Um, so, I, you know, it's a really good cause. I'm hoping you guys will join us in, in the fight against the coronavirus. Um, you know, you guys, you guys, any comments, questions, concerns, or you want to donate, you can find the, the link as well as you can contact me on my Instagram at nick.horvath. Uh, it's in my Instagram bio. Um, you can find it on my Twitter. I also tweeted it out, um, which is going to be at Nick Corvette 61. And then if you want to email me on my YouTube, uh, Yahoo, my email rather, uh, it's going to be Nicholas Corvette 10 at yahoo.com. Um, hoping to hear from you guys. Somebody email me, please. <laughs> um, you know, if you guys have excited, you guys have any comments, questions, seriously, even, um, other than that, uh, you know, stay happy, stay healthy. I'm going to head over to Brian. See you guys later. Thanks for, for listening. All right. Um, so, what else, what has been going on? We're at 356 subscribers on YouTube, um, on the way to 400. Uh, other than that, not a lot that I have to say. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I was doing research on what foundations to to donate to, and I mean, Nick basically hit all the points. Um, but what's really important, obviously, other than donating, is picking the right foundation. And what's really sucky is in these times, some people try and take advantage and like make them make it seem like they're do being charitable and then they just like pocket all the money or something like that. So I want to be really careful with which one I picked, which is why I picked the CDC foundation because Mm -hmm. it's so reputable, um, and actually does something. So that's why we picked it. Um, other than that, that's, there's not really anything else to talk about. Um, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Let us know what you thought of this and you can DM us, um, check out our videos on YouTube, Instagram, um, and our website, thesportuniverse.com. If you have any interest writing for us or helping us in any way you think you can, contact thesportuniverse2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.